Blog Talk Radio. to one of those worldwide wrestling federation fights, something like that. So <laughs> who am I up against tonight? Next up is a Seattle-based attorney. <laughs> Actually, she works on the Amanda Knox case, also seen on Fox uh, in the morning. Uh, she, wor- uh, she is uh, back on the program. It's a pleasure and honor to be joined with Ann Bremner. Good evening, Anne. How are you? Good evening. Great. It's an honor and pleasure to be on with both of you. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you both uh, here together, both quality people and both uh, great uh, attorneys 
uh, in your own right. So uh, that's uh, definitely uh, awesome to have. So uh, there are still some unanswered questions about the uh, Las Vegas shooting. Uh, here's some sound from my audience, and then I'll get you guys' take on this. Good evening from Las Vegas tonight, where authorities came before the cameras just a short time ago and revealed several stunning findings tonight. We now know the gunman was firing for nine minutes after that first 911 call came in. And what he had hidden in the hallway of the 32nd floor of that hotel right here behind me. We are seeing inside the hotel the door that SWAT teams broke down. It turns out he had a camera attached to a cart in the hallway so he would know when police were moving in to get him. One of the 23 weapons he had with him in that room, the evidence marker still in place. And tonight, video of that very room taken by a tourist who stayed in that room just a year ago and a view from the window right down onto that concert site. The gunman checked into that hotel with 10 suitcases. Those suitcases were full of weapons. ABC senior national correspondent Matt Gutman on the suspect's final 48 hours. This was the crowd at the Harvest Festival. 22,000 people joining together for God Bless America. But high above the Las Vegas Strip, another spectator was watching them. A mass murderer. Tonight, we are learning about how 64-year-old Stephen Paddock planned his attack. Authorities say he checked into the glittering Mandalay Bay Resort last Thursday. And it was on September 28th that he checked in, carrying multiple bags and likely passing signs just like this. But Paddock didn't just bring a weapon, he brought an arsenal, 10 suitcases packed with 23 guns. And tonight, ABC News has obtained these photos from inside that hotel, assault rifles everywhere. Empty casings on the carpet and stacked together neatly a pile of magazines. Through the battered doorway, crime scene photos show an AR-15, that gun outfitted with a scope and a bipod to stabilize the weapon. Parts of what eyewitnesses called that kill box were a full five football fields away from that shooter's perch up there on the 32nd floor, a range which would have been impossible had he just been using handguns instead of those long guns. He shuttered himself in his suite, taking in room service, say police, as the country music festival kicked off on Friday, waiting. Sunday, that joy turning to panic. When at 10.08 p.m., high above the crowds, police say Paddock hammered through two of the hotel's thick windows and started firing down on the crowd below. Shots fired for nearly nine minutes. I see the shot coming from Mandalay Bay, halfway up. Tonight, for the first time, police playing body camera footage at a press conference. But as SWAT teams approach the 32nd floor, tonight we are learning the shooter may have had eyes on them. Police say he'd set up at least two cameras, one monitoring the hallway seen right there on that service cart, and when officers finally broke down the door, breach, breach, breach. Paddock had killed himself, his body laid out near all those guns. Just some chilling new details tonight. Matt Gutman with us live here in Las Vegas. And Matt, we know the gunman stayed in that room undetected for days, those suitcases full of weapons, even ordering room service several times. That's right, David. Room service. In fact, the sheriff saying that multiple hotel employees had been in that room before the shooting, which begs the major question, given how elaborate Paddock's setup had been with those 10 cases of luggage, the 23 firearms, thousands of rounds of ammunition, and of course those cameras, how nobody noticed anything suspicious. David. Yeah, somehow it went unnoticed. Matt Gutman leading us off. Matt, thank you. Hi, everyone. Okay, and 
Bremer, let's start with you. What's your takeaway from this massive shooting? Well, it's just, I mean, it's the most astonishing thing, most horrific shooting we've had in the history of our country. And I just, I mean, for me personally, and just as a lawyer and having dealt with many cases involving gun violence, I just don't know when we're going to pay attention. I mean, when you deal with Sandy Hook and, and this case and others, and nobody knows why he did it. His brain's fine at autopsy. His girlfriend says he might have cried out in the night, but there was no other indication that he might do this. He wasn't a part of any hate group. He wasn't part of ISIS. I mean, he just did it. And so we have to look at people say, let's deal with mental health. Let's deal with, you know, all these other issues. Let's just deal with guns. I mean, this, you know, he had, you know, an ability to make this, you know, an automatic um, assault rifle. And it took him, what, 10 minutes? You know, and the fact is, is people can say the police didn't get there in time or there should have been more security at the hotel or whatever else. Well, how about just the fact that he had this kind of access? Killed 58 people. He, you know, injured hundreds. It's just astonishing. It's terrible, Alex Sanchez, and uh, like you always talk about the mental health issues, uh, this is definitely one for that. Uh, what you say so, Alex? I mean, yeah, there, there has to be some type of mental health issue going on here, but this was diabolical in some very extreme form. I mean, the planning. You know, a lot of people, and I'm sure Anne would, would confirm this, a lot of people that, that commit crimes during the course of some mental health crisis. It may be on like a spur of the moment. I mean, they may have some mental health issue going on, and all of a sudden they they do something insane. But this is like planning over a long, extended period of time, getting all these guns together, you know, getting all the weapons together, the cameras, setting up camera equipment outside the room, you know, knowing that you you needed some type of a metal pipe or something to break that that glass window, renting a room overlooking this concert, knowing that there would be a lot of people. The, the degree of planning is, is unbelievable here. And, yeah, yeah, sure, he had some type of mental health issue going on, I'm sure, but there's something beyond that. It's almost, it's almost demonic in the, in the degree in which it was uh, executed. And, you know, something I, I understand what... Uh, Anne is saying about controlling guns, and yeah, I think guns should be controlled, but, you know, the reality is this guy, if he didn't have access to guns, he'd create Molotov cocktails out of, um, you know, gasoline cans. He'd, he'd do something else. You can't, it's hard to stop a lunatic like this who's bent on mass destruction. And well, this was not quite just a gun. This was a what do you mean, like an AK-47 type gun? Wasn't the average right. gun? It was a gun to blow up so many people, which he successfully did. And he right. wanted to go and, on a tour doing it. Right, and and you know certainly if there was no AK-47s around, he wouldn't have had the ability to execute his plan with an AK-47. So he would have gone home and made a bomb. And if he didn't make a bomb. He would have uh, tried to derail a train with 300 people on a train. I mean, these guys, they will do something. They're not going to be stopped because you stop selling guns, let's say. And guns, yes, they should be controlled. But this type of maniac, this demonic personality that he evolved into, these are monsters. And I'm not sure, and I don't know if anyone is sure, how to stop these type of people from committing the atrocities they committed. 
Alex, we here in New York have a very strict gun law, and as you, do you remember any shooting like this ever? I mean, the one in Newtown. No, no, like no, no. There was there, obviously there was no shooting like. I mean, the one in Newtown, which is Connecticut's adjoining New York. Yeah, that's another. You know, that person had serious long-term mental health issues. It goes to school and, and murders, you know, dozens of kids and teachers. That's similar. He planned it out. He went to the school. He got all these rifles and all that. And, and yes, I mean, you know, that's terrible. In New York, we have very strict gun laws. You get caught with a gun and it has a bullet in it, it doesn't even have to have a bullet in it. You could have a bullet in your left pocket and a gun you know, in your car, in the trunk. That's considered a loaded gun. Three and a half right. years minimum term if you get arrested for that. But the, the, guy, the football player who it. shot himself got two he years. Yeah, he got, he got two years. Yes. Yeah, he got two years. And they the rapper Lil Wayne here. did a year for having a gun in his uh, backpack. Hey, let me get your take. Right. The laws here in New York... Uh, would you like to see the, the laws like that spread around the world? Yeah, well, I think when you look at other countries that, that don't have the type of mass violence that we have, you know, they don't have issues with guns. And I think the Supreme Court's interpretation, you know, of the Second Amendment was saying that gives you this, you know, individual right um, absolutely to carry a firearm and with sans a lot of restrictions, you know, under the Constitution. I mean, what the amendment talks about is a militia. And I, I know I'm... I'm out here in Washington State. I'm in Seattle. You know, we're a very liberal jurisdiction. And, you know, one that we don't countenance, you know, the kind of um, NRA. One of my law partners is, is in the NRA. But, you know, it's, it's just a city that I live in where, where there's just a real belief that there should be just absolute gun control. And I know that I'm probably a voice in the wilderness, but I tell you, I've seen so many gun cases and death cases and somebody just accidentally kills somebody or somebody is out target practicing, kills somebody, somebody's deer hunting, kills somebody, somebody, you know, that's mentally ill goes out and, you know, kills family members. I mean, and, and it can happen in an instant, but it didn't with this guy. I mean, he basically went out, planned it, and he went to Boston and he went to Chicago and he looked at other venues to do something similar. And I have clients in Las Vegas, a company where they lost, people were murdered in this, you know, and they saw carnage. And it's just extraordinary that we can look at this and say, well, you know, we've got these individual rights. I just think there has to be more of a balance at minimum because this goes on and on and on. And any one of us could be a victim of this at any time. You know, Ann, I don't know how many people in Seattle are against uh, possessing guns. My daughter lived in Seattle. Remember, she worked over there at Microsoft, and she went and got herself a gun. Yeah. In order to get it, she went, you know, you had to go and get licensed, and you had to take practice and safety concerns, but she got herself a gun. She was walking around with this this gun in her pocketbook all the time. So, and I don't think she was the only one. No, no, I'm not saying saying that about Seattle, and and I represent police departments, and I have for, you know, 30 years. You know, and I see the other yeah. side of it when officers are involved in officer-involved shootings because they're fired at. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a kind of a different microcosm, but those are my personal beliefs, and I think this is just appalling what just happened, just horribly appalling. Oh, it is, it is appalling. But, you know, something what I think is that the reality is, is that these type of events, fortunately, are extremely, extremely rare, relatively speaking. That doesn't excuse it, and it's horrible, but they are relatively rare. 
for a guy like this to perpetrate this type of offense with all the planning involved, you know, there's not many people like him out there, thank God. But it is relatively rare. So the, the rare, next question is... Too much. Too much. But what, what action can the government take to stop a guy like this? I would like to hear some suggestions. And if they're legitimate, they should be implemented. But I'm not sure a guy like this could ever be stopped. No, it would be very hard to, at the least. Uh, all these allegations piling up uh, uh, against Harvey Weinstein is the story. It's like Bill Cosby. Let's take a listen. There's new bombshell here. allegations against Hollywood movie producer Harvey Weinstein. New Yorker magazine reporting new claims of sexual harassment, assault, and rape. One of his accusers going to police, secretly recording her confrontation with Weinstein. But no charges were ever filed. And now Hollywood actors Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie are breaking their silence. ABC's Lindsay Davis with the new claims and that audio recording tonight. The newest bombshell accusation against Harvey Weinstein from Gwyneth Paltrow. She was 22 years old and Weinstein had just cast her in a role that would catapult her career. Such happiness this brings to all of us. Paltrow tells the New York Times the movie mogul summoned her to his hotel suite for a meeting then allegedly placed his hands on her and suggested they head to the bedroom for massages. The actress says she refused and later told then-boyfriend Brad Pitt, who confronted Weinstein. A source tells ABC News Pitt told him to never touch her again. Several years later, Paltrow thanked Weinstein when she won an Oscar in one of his other films. I would like to thank Harvey Weinstein. Now she's coming forward, saying this way of treating women ends now. And tonight, more accusations. Angelina Jolie also tells the Times she had a bad experience with Weinstein in her youth and that his behavior is unacceptable. And now new questions about just how much Hollywood knew or heard about Weinstein. This joke by Seth MacFarlane at the 2013 Oscar nomination ceremony. Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. And now possibly more damaging evidence against the former studio chief. I'm going to take a shower, you sit there and have a drink. The New Yorker magazine obtained this secretly recorded audio during a 2015 sting operation by the NYPD. Weinstein is heard admitting to inappropriately touching an Italian model. The audio has been verified by ABC News. You touch my Please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. Are you used to that? Yes, come in. This misdemeanor sexual abuse case was never prosecuted. According to the DA's office, the audio was insufficient to prove a crime under New York law. Ronan Farrow wrote the New Yorker expose. There is an evident uh, problem with the understanding of no. Farrow says three women claim they were raped or forced into a sex act. Ten others told him Weinstein sexually assaulted or harassed them, including Mira Sorvino. It's a travesty that this sort of behavior is normalized and accepted for decades in this industry. Tonight, Weinstein's wife tells People magazine she's leaving him. Weinstein has been fired, and a spokesperson told The New Yorker, quote, any allegations of non-consensual sex are unequivocally denied by Mr. Weinstein. And now the district attorney says anyone who feels they were victimized by Weinstein should contact them. David. Lindsay Davis with us again tonight. Lindsay, thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos. Okay, and uh, do you think this will be prosecuted and uh, that audio tape, do you think that could be uh, admissible? Well, it's definitely uh, prosecuted. It'd, I think it would be prosecuted. I, 
I don't know why they felt there was insufficient evidence, and Alex can maybe speak to that for the particulars of New York law, but I think that that it's being looked at anew. I think that I know Cy Vance, the DA in New York, because he was out here in Seattle, and I had a number of cases with him, including an 11-week trial against him. I mean, he's got a lot of integrity. He's an excellent lawyer. He's an excellent DA. And I know he'll look carefully at that. Now, there are other cases in New York, and we know the statute of limitations, there isn't one now in New York since about 2006. It was implemented in 2005. So that'll be interesting. Also in London, they're looking at cases. There's not a statute there. And of course, they're looking in California where they got rid of the statute of limitations in January of 2017. So, but it did have a relatively long statute before that. So I think there's going to be prosecutions. At least there's going to be investigations potentially leading to prosecutions, at least in those jurisdictions to what we've seen. And there may be more. You know, Alex, what's your take uh, on and, you know, I don't know if you're buddy-buddy with this guy, Vance. You had a case against him. As far as I'm concerned, he is an absolute, unadulterated disgrace. He's a disgrace as a person. He's a disgrace as a public representative. And, and this, that's not even close because I have represented hundreds of people charged with sex offenses in my career. In New York State, you don't need a tape recording if you're the victim of a sexual assault. A woman goes into an elevator, for example, and a guy comes in there and decides to stick his hand up her skirt. All she has to do is go to the police and say, that guy touched me inappropriately. I didn't give him permission. There doesn't need to be a tape recording. There doesn't need to be a videotape. There doesn't need to be an eyewitness. It's just her word. And if a jury believes her word and believes she is accurate, that guy goes to jail. So this bull that he is uttering that the tape was insufficient to uh, establish a criminal case is nothing and was nothing but an excuse not to prosecute his buddy. Now, they all but, hang out in the same circles, and, and they all hang out in the same circles. It's a corporation. They're well, buddies, here's the thing, they're friends. they got friends here, law partners. It's a corporation, and it's one person helping another. That guy should have been arrested. The police department... They acted honorably. They wanted to have that guy arrested. He turned around and did, and he did the same nonsense with that guy Khan from France, that big, powerful French official. Remember him, who forced a maid no, it, wait to a minute, wait a minute. sex. He did the same damn thing. No, and Dominic Strauss-Kahn, he prosecuted him, That's and right. then a lot of evidence came forward that indicated that that was not a case to be prosecuted. And I can go on with a litany of reasons for that. Cy Vance represented the victim in a case where I had the police department in the Mary Kay Letourneau case for 11 weeks. I also case, had cases on the same side with him on white-collar criminal defense cases. So, you know, I look at this, and I don't think he said the tape was insufficient. I think they said there was insufficient evidence in the case. I may be wrong, but the fact is he does have integrity. I think that they're looking at it anew. And frankly, I don't know enough about the facts of that case, but we all know that you don't need a tape to corroborate what a victim says. If the victim says, I was sexually assaulted, that should be sufficient to take a case to a jury, unless there are reasons to doubt that, or to doubt that person's veracity or independent evidence in the case it didn't happen. So well, I don't think we no know enough reason. about that case. Well, she said she, she was touched inappropriately. That's all you need. She came in and said, he came in and stuck his hand up my skirt. That is all you need. People are prosecuted like that every I, I agree with that. day I agree in with that. his office. So why in, in a two-week period of time did, did he turn around and say, I don't know, there's insufficient evidence? Plus, they had that tape, and that tape corroborates a story. Well, I've done this all the time, or whatever he said corroborated the story. 
that guy would have been convicted. There's no question about it. He did it because they're all part of the club. It's a club. They got the same friends. They, they circulate in the same areas. His friend knows this person's daughter and buddy and law partner, and you're going to do what you can for your friends. And that's the type of guy he is. I totally disagree, and I know him really well. So I, I just well, disagree. I don't think we know enough about this case. Well, let me but tell you. I, 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 I'm, I open to seeing what, I'm open to seeing what we can learn about it because, you know, he's, he's been a tough DA, and I know that he's worked on behalf of victims and on behalf of defendants, and I he, don't know the whole circumstances here or the relationship that this particular woman had with Harvey Weinstein. He's a vile, well, you know, horrible like, person. It's, it's not Weinstein. just this case. Again, that's, again, that's Strauss-Kahn case. Strauss-Kahn was a big, powerful French official. He forces this maid, a maid, to, to basically hey, perform oral sex. And then the district attorney agrees that they're not going to prosecute on this new theory that, well, we believe there's reasonable doubt. Well, that's up to the jury to make that determination. Then this business with Trump's kids come up, where supposedly Trump's kids may have been involved in committing crimes. Trump's lawyer gives a nice donation. He agrees not to prosecute. Anybody who believes that he's not being influenced by his friends and power and money and influence in the boys' club, they're dreaming. They're dreaming. You know, the Strauss-Kahn case had all kinds of reasons why it was dismissed, and that case was charged, and it came out. There were all kinds of issues with the case. I don't remember them now, but I did, do, I did a piece for the New York Times on that, on why that was a rush to judgment by Cy Vance and why it should have been dismissed. So it was the opposite in that case of him letting someone powerful go. In fact, he indicted him. He was indicted, and then he had to be persuaded that he did, this was not the right decision. There was a perp walk and everything else. Oh, yeah. Strauss-Kahn, by the way, who was prosecuted in France, right, for trying to rape his own friend's daughter, right? This guy's a degenerate from the word go. Let's not make it sound like Strauss-Kahn was. Yeah, but the bottom line is the guy was a degenerate. He was a sexual degenerate. I agree. He was a predator, and he came here and he did it on this poorly nurse, not a nurse, on a poor uh, a maid that worked in, in, in an apartment building or no, in the hotel a, was, over there. It was a hotel room. Yes, it was guys, a soap Disgrace. Vance, let me tell you, I have a lot more to lose, have a lot more to lose than you do, Bremer, and because I work in that court. I go to Manhattan courts all the time. Maybe somebody's listening, okay? I go to that court. Maybe he's going to be harder on me in other cases. I don't care. But if somebody's a disgrace and you're in an important public position, get the hell out of there. Okay. Let's talk about this coach who was uh, doing some uh, what appears to be some drugs. Uh, let's hear ESPN, and then we'll get we'll talk. I'm about pissed it off at the fact that he resi- that he was allowed to resign. He should have been fired. Okay, you're at the office. You're snorting what we we believe to be cocaine. We don't know. It's a white powdery substance. I guess you can deduce whatever it is. I'm gonna save cocaine for the sake of argument, even though I don't know. The bottom line is this: you're at the office. You've got an offense. Let's take this into consideration. Dolphins are dead last offensively in terms of points. In terms of yards accumulated, they're number they're, they're dead last. They're, they're dead last with the pass. They're second to last against the run. They have got me here on national TV having to come to the defense of Jay Cutler. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I actually have to sit here today 
and say, I got to let Jay Cutler off the hook of all people because clearly somebody was, do- was not doing their job. When you've got worse than yards, worse than points, worse on the pass, second to last against the run. Oh, by the way, Jay Ajayi suddenly doesn't know how to rush the football. Nonsense. So this man sat up there and compromised himself. He compromised the organization. He compromised the players. He compromised the team. And he gets an opportunity to resign. If this were a player, white, black, Native American, Hispanic, Jewish, Gentile, or whatever, they would have gotten raked to the coals. But we're going to sit up here and play a quote with him talking about, oh, you know what, my family and me, and with the help of medical professionals. Hell with all of that. You were sniffing something on the job. And you've been costing your team all year long, clearly. And we're going to sit up there and talk, and we're going to bring up caffeine, and we're going to bring if up all this other If a player was doing it? Nah, nah. If a player doing was doing today, it? Not today. Excuse white, me? black, what? Native American, or what? other, as you said, Stephen A., if a player was doing it, I would have the exact same response. Well, I would say I'm glad they're going to get I'm not, da, 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 I'm not questioning that about you. I'm not saying that you wouldn't have had the not. same response. I'm simply saying, don't let this man, we're not going to let this man off the hook today with what he elected to do. And if he's got a problem, that's fine. He surely wasn't willing to let anybody know it. And you're going to video yourself and what have you. Who the hell knows what was going that's, on through his mind? I don't understand But I will that. tell you this. Yeah. I will tell you this if this were a player i don't care what ethnicity is if it were a player we'd be all over him we need to be all over this man not stephen ross who's a good man as the owner not the not coach gates not the players not the organization this man right here was on the job doing this and clearly was willing to cost the franchise, what he cost them. He, he deserves no compassion today. He deserves no compassion but, but, today. No, I don't know about today or tomorrow, or but I don't understand the problem with compassion. He lost his job. I mean, the consequence, there, it, it, as raising children, as you know, Stephen A., I have kids, you have kids. I got a problem with when the fact that he was allowed kids, to resign. You give them why, consequences why based on their behavior. You have no, you have no you problem with him being allowed to resign? Answer the question. You give you them have consequences no problem based on their behavior because you want them to know better. Is the point to punish because just, you did bad, really, you get punished, really? or is the point you're to gonna say make, that with a straight face. make them You got no better. problem with him resigning. Make the world better. You got no, hold on, you got no, don't give me that crap no. about making the world better. We don't think about that no. with the players. So why won't we think about I that do. with the coaches? The fact of the matter well, is, you, you may not. What player, I gets do. A, what, what player gets allowed to resign? They get cut. They get waived. They get publicly humiliated. By the way, I can point to a, me- a million different players, including Josh Gordon, and that was, you know, from what we know, much less serious. In fact, the addiction may, you know, that's a separate issue. But we're talking about largely marijuana. It seemed right in that case. And with Josh Gordon, what did I consistently say about that? You know, that, he, that he's bad Josh Gordon, go away, never let me see you again? No. That I hope he gets help and gets better. He's a, product, he's, he's a great player when he's healthy, you know, the in his first, head, too. The so, first thing we discussed that? with Josh Gordon, the first thing we discussed with Josh Gordon was the idiocy of his actions and how ultimately it cost the Cleveland Browns and himself, because I ain't never seen a joint that was worth millions, which is what he cost himself. Now, later on, we continued to That's talk about the story, about. and, we, and we, you know, all of us did. And we, sit there, and we sat up there and we expressed, you know, compassion for him. But the bottom line is the first order of business was to highlight how egregious the actions were and what it cost him and the people That's around him. That's what your first order of business was. Really? That, was that wasn't my first that order of yours. business. Yeah, no, no, you, you didn't take no, that and in, fact, and in fact, here's an object lesson, kids. You know who's addicted to the stuff that you saw this coach snorting? 
everyone. You're born that way. The question is who really? actually tries it. Really? So, so, so the object lesson here is don't do it, as Melly Mel said back in the day. Don't, don't do it. You it can't does get addic- not lead you to can't good get addicted things. To some- so you can't get addicted to something you never tried. But we've got no problem sitting up there and looking at 20-year-old dudes in their 20s who are not leaders of men. They're athletes. Oh, you know, we're going to hold them accountable. But with the coach, we're going to sit up there and say, you can resign. Not no, be fired. I treat it the exact, not be fired. I treat it the exact same resign. way. In fact, in, fact, in fact, to your point, you're right. It is a little worse than a player doing it because this it is. is ostensibly a which more mature adult who is responsible for others. So yes, it's even more serious, which a is why of men he's not on probation. It. He's not on probation like a player would be. He's lost his job. That's the consequence. But what is the other consequence? He has at least verbally or in a written statement taken responsibility and it can serve as an object lesson for others. Kids, don't do it. Don't even try it. It does not lead to good and things. And Stephen A., to your not point of the double standard, the woman who outed him said she did it for that exact reason, actually for social injustice. Okay, uh, Alex, let me start with you. What's your takeaway of this uh, coach uh, doing the uh, drugs? And, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I, I don't know if I'm just cranky tonight, but the the, uh, the the sportscaster there that was demanding that he should have been fired. Who was who that guy? What's his name again? Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. I, this guy must be an absolute clown because okay. he, yeah, I mean, he's making it sound. I don't advocate drugs. I really don't right. have children. I don't want them using drugs. I've never used drugs in my life. As incredible as that may sound, I've never even smoked marijuana. You know, maybe I'm a nerd, but you know, he makes it sound as if this guy, because he had some type of addiction or was improperly using drugs, he was committing some the grossest of moral offenses. You know, put him in the same category as a child molester or a rapist. Put him in the same category as, as somebody that has murdered somebody, you know, uh, without any kind of justification. That's what he's doing. He's making it sound like this guy is the absolute worst scum of the earth because he happens to have some type of drug problem. Give me a break. This country has a drug problem. This country's riddled with drugs. This country has a culture where it was almost encouraged for people to use drugs for a long period of time. This guy succumbed to that. I hope he gets treatment. But to put him in the category like he is absolute dirt and basically needs to be exterminated is unbelievable to me. So this guy, this, right. this sports announcer there who's going on some crazy rant, he's got an axe to grind. He really does. And he, what he's trying to do is trying to say that this guy should be prosecuted to the same degree. It's a, it's a mixture of race. It's a mixture of, it's a mixture of a lot of different things. But the bottom line is he doesn't want that guy punished simply because he used cocaine. He wants that guy punished because he has an axe to grind. He wants everything to be somehow in his own mind even. So that guy's and, a clown. Yeah. It really is. And so what's your takeaway? Mine's more a form of a substance. You know, it's like it's all over except for the shouting. Uh, you know, I'm tired of a, of a level of kind of um, impolite shouting discourse, you know, in this country where everybody shouts, you know, what they think and nobody listens to anybody else. So that's why I took away from it. I think he's talking about some inequalities. I think they all are, um, but I think it was all lost in the form of how they delivered it. 
No question. Okay, let's get to our final story, and that involves uh, the ESPN suspending Jamil Hill. Jamil Hill is an anchor for ESPN. Uh, she's gotten in a little bit of trouble before for tweeting about how Donald Trump uh, believes in white supremacy. Well, uh, there's a good reason for that. Uh, he said during a alt-right white nationalist neo-Nazi march in Charlottesville, uh, even after uh, one of the neo-Nazis had murdered someone, that there was, quote, very fine people on both sides. So um, she called him out for that and, and his many other comments along similar lines. Uh, we covered that story earlier and obviously we had her back. She's absolutely right and it is provable. And we showed you the half a dozen instances of clear uh, incontrovertible racism from Donald Trump. So uh, Jamia Hill uh, did something similar this time, but not about Trump. Uh, let me read you the tweet and then show you ESPN's reaction. Um, this is about Jerry Jones. Now, it's obvious that the White House has gone to a lot of the owners and said, hey, remember you guys are billionaire uh, Republicans. Uh, I don't know the internal conversations, but probably had conversations about, hey, you know, the taxpayers subsidize you guys. It's called crony capitalism. We Republicans love it, and we've been practicing it with you for a long time. Plus, I've got trillion dollar tax cuts coming. Would you like some of that? Or would you like me to you know, make sure that the NFL owners are left out? I don't know that for sure, okay? But you know what, we'll have TYT investigators maybe look into it, see if we can uh, find some facts for you guys, okay. Uh, but obviously, what we can see from the outside is there were pressure put on. So Miami Dolphins owner and, and the Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, uh, came out and said, that's it, uh, we're gonna make sure that the players will be spent standing during the national anthem. Now remember Jerry Jones, before the national anthem was played, after Trump had originally done his attack on NFL players, um, had gone and knelt with his own players, again, before the anthem, but it was a powerful statement and they locked arms during the anthem. So, and Trump had criticized them. Jerry Jones, being the money hungry coward that he is, uh, decided that of course he was gonna back down and go <laughs> between money and principles, money and fighting against racism. <laughs> It's a joke, it's not even close, give me the money, show me the money. Okay, so that's the direction Jerry Jones went and I have much harsher words uh, for him than Jameel Hill does. But Jameel Hill said about that, this play always works, change happens when advertisers are impacted. If you feel strongly about Jerry Jones statement, boycott his advertisers. Whoa, now to me, uh, I get it, it's a logical way to fight back. Um, I've had my uh, own opinions on whether they should, that should be done to conservative talk show hosts. Generally, I, I don't love that approach, uh, but that's okay to each his own. That's uh, her opinion, God bless her heart. It's a perfectly logical and rational to have one uh, just like that if you care about this issue. And of course, ESPN is furious. So they explain, Jameel Hill has been suspended for two weeks for a second violation of our social media guidelines. What they didn't add but could have is, look, it's one thing if you're gonna go after the president, that's bad, and we got some blowback from Republicans on it. Advertisers? You're talking about advertisers? No, 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 now you've touched the face of God. We had a great comedian on here, Maz Jabrani, and he made a great point. He he's, uh, sometimes goes in this comedy in the Middle East and he gets heat for it. People say, oh, but you know, you're not allowed to talk about Muhammad or, or, or God or Allah or Islam uh, when you go to the Middle East. That's censorship. How could you do comedy there despite the censorship? And he said, look, he used to have a show on Comedy Central and they would take out all the jokes about advertisers. So he said, our God is tied. 
our God is the advertisers that you're not allowed to touch under any circumstances. So she touches that third rail and ESPN is like, whoa, no way, suspended. All right, more from ESPN. She previously acknowledged letting her colleagues and company down with an impulsive tweet. I don't think that their issue was her impulse. I think that she thought it through. She thought that was the best strategy in that case to fight back against the oppression of the players. Uh, by the owners, which is clear and demonstrated by Jerry Jones. Nothing about impulse there at all. She thought it through and she did it. That's not their problem with it. Their problem with it is the money, Lebowski. All right, finally, they also said in the aftermath, all employees were reminded of how individual tweets may uh, reflect negatively on ESPN and that such actions would have consequences. Hence this. Okay, and let me get your take first and then we'll go over to Alex on this situation. Well, I think that, you know, when she's tweeting things that are against their standards and against what they've advised her to do and not to do, you know, that's her employer. And to call the president a white supremacist, you know, whatever else she wants to say, she can say that on her own time. You know, we're all entitled to opinions. We all have rights to say what we think. But the fact is, when you work for somebody and, and you're not being paid to be a columnist or to, to come out there and you know, attack different people or different practices or anything else. And the company says this doesn't reflect our view, our policies, you know, our worldview and what we impart to viewers, then they've, they've suspended her. And so I look at this as just a simple, you know, employment matter. And we can get into what she said, do we agree? And we, like I said in our last clip, everybody wants to say what they want to say. And nobody wants to listen to anybody else. That's the way I see things today. It's, yeah, it's it's just, true. You know, it's just everybody's got their opinions. Me, me, me. This is my agenda. You know, whatever. Why don't we all listen to each other for a while, you know? And, and stop having this, this just yelling discourse out there where we don't get anywhere as a country and a society. So, you know, this is an employment matter. Yes, she has a right to say what she has to say. But the bigger picture is, you know, can we start to have civil discourse? where we try to solve and resolve issues in this country towards the greater good, not just our own good, but the greater good. Alex, what's your takeaway? That's number one. <laughs> the, uh, but in any event, regarding, uh, regarding this, you know, so, you know, I don't know, I've always, I've always kind of take, I've taken umbrage at someone that is in, a, is in a very public position, especially in the media, and and then deciding, hey, you know, I'm a well-known personality, and I'm going to use that to promote some particular view I have, whether it's on the left or it's on the right. I agree with and that completely, Alex. And that's what she's doing. And she wasn't hired by that agency for that purpose. She was hired for commentary or sports, whatever it is. Well, don't take advantage of your position and say, hey, you know, now that I'm well-known, let me go out there and start, you know, spreading truth. You know, we don't want to hear truth. We want to hear sports. I don't even watch ESPN. But that's, <laughs> if I was going to watch ESPN, I'm watching it for sports-related purposes, not to hear that you think that Trump is a white supremacist, and I'm not a Trump supporter. But, you know, there, is, there, are, there are moments that you can 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 promote your viewpoints, and there's moments that you shouldn't. And when you're working for an agency like ESPN, ESPN, you're not there to promote your own personal causes and all that. You do your job. 
You make a lot of money doing your job. Don't try to undermine the don't undermine the very company that is that is paying you and is right. supporting its its enterprise. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't have any particular sympathy for her, even though I fully appreciate some of the the, the arguments that she has made. I can appreciate that, but I don't appreciate the method in which she went about doing this. I agree. Very good. Very good point. Okay, uh, we have a couple of callers, and then we'll let the show go. Let's go out to Huntington Beach, California first and uh, say hello to our friend Sarah, who's on the line. Good evening, Sarah. You're live with Alex Sanchez and Ann Bremner. What's your thought of Hi, coming? everybody. Nerd, what a good show. What a good show. Um, you know, uh, the gun issue, um, because of the the horrible, horrible tragedy in Las Vegas, I think, um, I don't look at stats, but I, I think gun sales are going up, um, you know, for legal legal sales. I think they're going up from what I've been reading and, and hearing because people want to protect themselves. So guns aren't going anywhere, and I don't think they should go anywhere. Um, but I think that our country has to do something about mental illness. And I think people need to recognize their family members and their friends if if they think that there's something wrong um i mean i think that every family if if there's a child or um adult child or young kid or husband or whatever um you know had a rash for 90 days they would take him to the doctor so i think that mental illness is just so crucial in maybe curbing these horrible acts that are that are happening all over our country. Um, now, as far as Harvey goes, and I'm going to put Harvey and Jamel not in the same category of of character, but this is my thing, and I think Anne, you you um, you brought this up. I just can't stand the fact that 24 hours a day and social media and it's just everywhere that things are so politicized. Mm-hmm. I think that looking at um, Harvey, you can look at him like Bill Cosby. You can look at him like any other uh, um, person that's been accused of so many horrible things. But I don't know why it has to be a left and right issue. Um, I mean, I, I like to listen and read all the information I can about these cases but it's it's so disheartening because in the description of of the story that's all you hear about is well the democrats said this and the republicans say this and i just i'm so tired of it and as far as jamel hill i um i believe that her employer has every right to suspend her or fire her i i don't know what her employee contract says but i agree with alex that she, you know, she opened her mouth. She started this whole thing, and I don't think anyone should blame ESPN for suspending her. Um, and I know I'm going to give my age away, but the very first time that I was utterly shocked about how someone could make a comment, and the comment was taken so seriously, was I miss in the morning. Does anybody remember Imus in the Morning? Oh, I do. 
the radio show oh, guy. Sure. Right. Go and he around. made a comment about he made a comment about some female basketball players describing their hair. And I believe he got fired. And at that age, right, and at that age that I was, I, I didn't understand how he could get fired because I thought everyone had the freedom of speech. But as I learned and, you know, grew up, I thought, okay, now I get it, and I understand completely. So I think things are just out of control with what people say and what they think they can say and and how far they push that push those words to see if they can get away with them. So anyway, those are my comments. I I'd like to hear your feedback. Okay, thanks Sarah for the call. Okay, uh Alex, so what's your takeaway from that? What's your thoughts? So uh, yeah, I I think she makes some very valid points. I mean, it, it does seem that every time you turn the TV on, you know, I, I, I'm interested in trying to arrive at or hear some type of truth. I don't care if it's on the left. I don't care if it's on the right. I'm interested in hearing truth. And it, I become absolutely enraged when I find out that a commentator, again, on the left or on the right, and it happens on both sides, is skewing information, was coloring information, in such a way to promote a certain viewpoint, that irritates the hell out of me. I don't like that. I'm interested in, because I want to make an independent judgment about something, uh, using, using all the faculties that I may have. And I don't want to be given a false bill of goods. I want to know truth. You know, that's important to me. It's important to, to my family. It's important to the political system. I'm not the only one that thinks like that. Everybody listening to the show, I'm sure, agrees with me. But the reality is, when you're watching television or you're listening to the news or the radio, people use, you know, very fancy words. People promote certain concepts, and they do it in such a way that the truth becomes unimportant after a while. It's the cause that they want to see advanced. And again... It happens on the left and it happens on the right. I don't care which side. I just hate the concept that that happens. And will it ever stop? I don't know. I think people just need to be much more discriminating when they watch or listen to the news media. That's just a fact. Okay, let's go out to our final caller. Uh, Mary is on the line. Uh, good evening, Mary. How are you? Uh, hi, I'm sorry. I I just caught the last end because it's I you know it's like three thirty here in the afternoon in Hawaii, so I almost missed, but I didn't listen to most of it. But I I know you talked about Harvey Weinstein, and hello Alex and hello Ann. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. Um, what I wanted to say is that I tweet a lot and I tweeted this very interesting question and the answers I got like a hundred responses back which is really interesting the the tweet was um, do men respect women do men not respect women because some women do not respect themselves or do men feel entitled to broke and fondle women because they're men 
And the answers I got back were like split in half. The men defending the men and the women defending the women. Mm. Even one man who actually said most buildings in this country were built by men. And I replied, and so what does that mean? But he didn't <laughs> answer that. So I just thought that was interesting. They also brought up Trump, and this was not political. This had to do with the fact that someone uh, tweeted a picture of um, Harvey Weinstein with two women, uh, you know, fo- they like fondling each other. You know what I'm saying? So in a way, these women put themselves, those two women, put themselves in that situation. So that's where my question on Twitter came from. So I was just throwing that out there. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. Didn't know what you what you guys might think of it, but Well, I think that was a provocative thing for you to tweet out and you've had an amazing number of responses and it seems to be on the theme that we've been talking about tonight, which is the left versus the right, the men versus the women, yeah. my cause, your cause, you know, and it's right. all over except for the shouting. I mean, I think that, you know, we need to look at this case. I mean, it's an appalling case. And as a woman, I'm yeah, completely offended. Um, and that's my take. But I think we need to take a look at someone like him, someone like Bill Cosby, and ask ourselves, how in the world can these people go and do this over and over and over and over again with impunity? And then how do we deal with it? with it? And get with it. And right. get away with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my take. I mean, I, I yeah. just, I'm, I'm absolutely just appalled by him. And I was by Cosby, but yet a jury hung on Cosby's criminal case, you know, in Pennsylvania. But the bottom line that, you, that what you did illustrates is, is that we all come from our own perspectives. And I think we need to listen to each other more and try to, to figure out resolutions to these types of things. How do we treat a man like this? How did we create a man like this? Where did he come from? How is this tolerated? You know, how can this happen right. in Hollywood? Why didn't, you know, why did all, so many women not say anything? You know, why was he allowed to, have, you know, basically mete out retribution, you know, and bully people and, and, and basically have people cowering, you know, in his presence for decades? Yeah, I think, because he was I mean, so powerful. He was so powerful. So what a good yeah. job you did. I, I'm very impressed. Oh, thank you. And what does Al, Alex say? Oh, uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, I don't know how if it's particularly related to your answer, but, you know, I, I'm I'm married and I have two daughters. And, you know, one thing I've learned, you know, women have to demand respect. Um, there we're still in a culture where a lot of men don't have enough respect for women. And when they are the victims I of some form that. of disrespectful or inappropriate conduct, they have to demand that they were treated appropriately and demand right. that they were treated respectfully and stand up for themselves. You know what? Right. And, and if they stand up for themselves, that person will, res- will have respect for them. And word will get around. This is not somebody you, you, should, you should in any way disrespect. Nobody deserves to be disrespected. But if you are the victim of some form of disrespect or harassment, you need to stand your ground immediately. And you need to tell that person, you stop what you're doing, this is not acceptable, right. or I'm going to take action, period. And, and walk women, out. They, everybody needs to learn that lesson. Yeah. But in our culture, I think women really need to learn that lesson and, and take heed of that advice. And I think that mothers 
need to teach their daughters um, in Absolutely. our culture, especially. No question. Like Anne, Thank you, Mary. Said. Cool. Anyway, um, good afternoon to everybody, or good evening over in the east. East Coast, and um, thank you for taking my call, Jordan. Thank you. Sure. Thanks so much for the call. Thanks so much, Ed Bremner, a very talented uh, attorney. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Oh, it's great to be on the show, and uh, I hope I wasn't too cranky tonight. But uh, it was great <laughs> no, to be on. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for everybody. Pleasure. Thanks for more interesting. A lot of great topics we discussed tonight. Appreciate mm-hmm. it from both of you. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, the legendary Ann Bremner, along with uh, Alex Sanchez, doing a great job. Uh, of uh, the show. Uh, what I want to play is uh, the Eminem diss on Donald Trump. Um, I don't know if some of you heard it, but it is very vulgar, to say the least. Uh, so, but first, I do want to play. I don't know if you heard Jimmy Kimmel uh, immediately after the Las Vegas shooting, a very emotional statement from Mr. Kimmel. Uh, of course, I want to give some shout-outs, of course, uh, to uh, Sarah, who called in, um, uh, Mary, who called in, our guest, Dan Bremner, Alex Sanchez. We got uh, Maddie, Doreen, Pager, Vicky, and uh, all the rest of you. Okay, first here's Jimmy Kimmel, and then we'll come back, and we'll, we'll play the Eminem diss track of uh, Donald Trump. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Here we are again in the aftermath of another uh, terrible, inexplicable, shocking and painful tragedy, this time in Las Vegas, which happens to be my hometown and Cleto's hometown, Cleto Sr.'s hometown. And uh, as you know, at least 59 people are dead. Hundreds of people were wounded in what they say was the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history, coming about a year and a half after the previous deadliest mass shooting in modern American history in Orlando where 49 people lost their lives and uh, of course we pray for the victims and for their families and friends and we wonder why even though there's probably no way to ever know why a human being would do something like this to other human beings who are at a concert having fun and listening to music. Jason Aldean was on stage, Luke Combs, who was here with us tonight, he played the show too, and obviously no one could have ever expected that something terrible would happen, but it did. A very sick person smuggled 17 guns into his hotel room and smashed out the windows, started firing indiscriminately from the 32nd floor into a crowd of 22,000 people across the street. And as a result of that, uh, this morning, we have children without parents and Fathers without sons, mothers without daughters. We lost two police officers. We lost a nurse from Tennessee, a special ed teacher from a local school here in Manhattan Beach. And um, it's the kind of thing that it it makes you want to throw up or or give up. It's too much to even process. All these devastated families who now have to live with this pain forever because one person with a violent and insane voice in his head 
managed to stockpile a, connection of, a collection of high-powered rifles and use them to shoot people. Um, the guy was an accountant. He had no criminal record. His brother, who lives in Florida, seems totally shocked, genuinely dumbfounded. He said he saw no sign of any of this. The owner of the store that sold the killer some of the rifles said he passed the government-mandated background check when he was in the store. He wasn't on any watch list. Didn't seem to have been a religious or political extremist. Came out of nowhere. And uh, because of that, because there weren't any of the usual signs, uh, you know, I've been reading comments from people who say this is terrible, but there's nothing we can do about it. But I disagree with that uh, intensely because, of course, there's something we can do about it. There are a lot of things we can do about it. But we don't, which is interesting because when someone with a uh, beard attacks us, we tap phones, we invoke travel bans, we build walls, we take every possible precaution to make sure it doesn't happen again. But when an American buys a gun and kills other Americans, then there's nothing we can do about that. And uh, Second Amendment, I guess, our forefathers wanted us to have AK-47s uh, is the argument, uh, I assume. Orlando, Newtown, Aurora, San Bernardino, every one of these shootings, the murder used automatic or semi-automatic rifles, which are not weapons you use for self-defense. They're weapons designed to kill large numbers of people in the shortest possible amount of time. And this guy reportedly had 10 of them in his room, apparently legally, at least some of them were there legally. Why is that allowed? I don't know why our so-called leaders continue to allow this to happen. Or maybe a better question, why do we continue to let them to allow it to happen? Five people got shot in Lawrence, Kansas last night. Three of them died. It didn't even make a blip because this is just a regular part of our lives now. And um, you know what will happen. We'll pray for Las Vegas. Some of us will get motivated. Some of us won't get motivated. The bills will be written. They'll be watered down. They'll fail. The NRA will smother it all with money. And over time, we'll get distracted. We'll move on to the next thing. And then it will happen again and again. And last night, the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, said this is not the time. Or actually, it was today, this morning. She said it was not the time for political debate. And... Um, I don't know. We have 59 innocent people dead. It wasn't their time either. So I think now is the time for political debate. President Trump is visiting Las Vegas on Wednesday. He spoke this morning. He said he's praying for those who lost their lives. You know, in February, he also signed a bill that made it easier for people with severe mental illness to buy guns legally. The Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, a number of other lawmakers who won't do anything about this because the NRA has their balls in a money clip, also sent their thoughts and their prayers today which uh, is, is good. They should be praying. They should be praying for God to forgive them for letting the gun lobby, lobby run this country because it is, uh, it, it's so crazy. Right now, there are loopholes in the law that let people avoid background checks if they buy a gun privately from another party, if they buy a gun online or at a gun show. So I want to show you something. These are the faces of the senators who, days after the shooting in Orlando, voted against a bill that would have closed those loopholes. These are the 56 senators who didn't want to do anything about that. Now, 90% of Democrats, I'm not talking about politicians here, I'm talking about people, and 77% of Republicans support background checks at gun shows. 89% of Republicans and Democrats are in favor of restricting gun ownership for the mentally ill. But not this gang. They voted against both of those things. So with all due respect, your thoughts and your prayers are insufficient. And by the way, the House of Representatives will be voting on a piece of legislation this week 
It's a bill to legalize the sale of, of silencers for guns. This is what they're working on. We have a major problem with gun violence in this country, and I guess they don't care. And if I'm wrong on that, fine, do something about it, because I'm sick of it. And, um, you know, I want this to be a comedy show. I hate talking about stuff like this. I just want to, you know, laugh about things every night. But that, it seems to be coming uh, increasingly difficult lately. It, it feels like someone has opened a, a window into hell. And what I'm talking about tonight isn't about gun control. It's about common sense. Common sense says no good will ever come from allowing a person to have weapons that can take down 527 Americans at a concert. Common sense says you don't let those who suffer from mental illness buy guns. You know, in June of last year, the NRA fought to make sure people on the no-fly list can buy guns. They aren't allowed to get on a plane. They're allowed to own a, a very dangerous gun. Who thinks that makes sense? Them, I guess, the people who voted with the NRA. Maybe I'm nuts, but I would like to think we can put politics aside and agree that no American citizen needs an M16 or 10 of them. And maybe that way we don't do this again. I mean, that seems very reasonable to me. It, you know, in... Um, in 1980, we had a big fire at the MGM Hotel in Las Vegas. It was horrible, right? I mean, 85 people died. You could see the fire. I mean, I was, I was 13 years old. I'll never forget a man jumped out the window. Uh, it was a terrible thing to see. And then a few months later, there was another fire at the Hilton, and five people died. So you know what they did? They changed the laws. They made major changes to the fire safety codes, and it hasn't happened again. Why would we approach this differently? It's a public safety issue. And something needs to be done already. So tell your Congress people to do something. I mean, it's not enough to send your love and prayers. And we do. We send our, our love and support and whatever else is needed to Las Vegas and to the families from all over the country and Canada who had the worst night of their lives last night. You know, Vegas is a funny town. It's easy to forget people live there. But... They do. I mean, lots of good people. These people showed up in droves today to donate blood because it's the only thing they could do. And so they did it. But there is more that we can do, and we need to do it. And thank God for the police in Las Vegas who risked their lives trying to locate the, the man with the gun. Thank God for the doctors and uh, nurses and firefighters and paramedics who rose to the occasion as they always seem to do when we need them to. And for the concert goers themselves who helped each other, who threw their bodies on top of each other, who drove their private cars full of people who were bleeding to the hospital, um, you know, don't, don't forget them. And don't forget what's going on in Puerto Rico either, because just because they're not the lead story today, they still need help. And if you want to help either one of those cities, uh, Puerto Rico is not a city, obviously, but Vegas or Puerto Rico, a good way to do that is to give to the American Red Cross. There's the information right there on the screen. And we send all our love to our family and friends in Las Vegas and to everyone affected by this terrible event. I, I'm sorry for getting emotional. I'm, I'm not great with this kind of thing. Uh, but I just think it's important, you know? So. Thanks for watching. If you like that, subscribe. It's the calm before the storm right here.
Wait, how was I going to start this off? I forgot. Oh, yeah. That's an awfully hot coffee pot. Should I drop it on Donald Trump? Probably not, but that's all I got till I come up with a solid... Got a plan and now I got a hatchet like a damn Apache with a tomahawk. I'ma walk inside a mosque on Ramadan and say a prayer that every time talks, she gets a mouth. Ah, I'ma stop. But we better give Obama props, cause what we got in office now's a kamikaze that'll probably cause a nuclear holocaust. And while the drama pops and he waits for shit to quiet down, he'll just gas his plane up and fly around till the bombing stops. Intensity's heightened, tensions are rising. Trump, when it comes to giving a shit, you're stingy as I am. Except when it comes to having the balls to go against me, you hide them. Cause you don't got the nuts like an empty asylum. Racism's the only thing he's fantastic for. Cause that's how he gets his rocks off and he's orange. Yeah, sick tan. That's why he wants us to disband cause he cannot withstand the fact we're not afraid of Trump. Walking on eggshells, I came to stomp. That's why he keeps screaming, drain the swamp, because he's in quicksand. It's like we take a step forwards, then backwards. But this is his form of distraction. Plus, he gets an enormous reaction when he attacks the NFL, so we focus on that. And instead of talking Puerto Rico with gun reform for Nevada, all these horrible tragedies, and these border would rather cause a Twitter storm with the Packers. And says he wants to lower our taxes, then who's gonna pay for his extravagant trips back and forth with his fam to his golf resorts and his mansions? Same shit that he tormented Hillary for and he slandered, then does it more from his endorsement of Bannon, support for the Klansmen, tiki torches in hand for the soldier that's blackened, comes home from Iraq and is still told to go back to Africa, forking a dagger in this racist 94 year old grandpa who keeps ignoring our past historical deplorable factors. Now if you're a black athlete, you're a spoiled little brat for trying to use your platform or your stature to try to give those a voice who don't have one. He says you're spitting in the face of bets who fought for us, you bastards. Unless you're a POW who's tortured and battered because to him you're zeros because he don't like his war heroes captured. That's not disrespecting the military. That this is for Colin. Ball up a fist and keep that shit ball like Donald the bitch. He's gonna get rid of all immigrants. He's gonna build that thing up taller than this. Well, if he does build it, I hope it's rock solid with bricks. Cause like him in politics, I'm using all of his tricks. Cause I'm throwing that piece of shit against the wall till it sticks. And any fan of mine who's a supporter of his, I'm drawing in the sand a line. You're either for or against. 
And if you can't decide who you like more in your split on who you should stand beside, I'll do it for you with this. The rest of America stand up. We love our military and we love our country, but we hate Trump. <laughs>